Thank God it's Free Range. You are listening to Free Range Radio Friday with your host, Michael Elves. Pour yourself a beverage and turn up the volume because here on 101.5 UMFM, the weekend starts now.
101.5 UMFM, this is Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. I'm Michael Alzen kicking things off for us tonight. Contemporary soul singer M.T. Jones with a new single called I'd Be Lying. Got that one earlier this week, really dug it, wanted to share it. Uh, we got all sorts of great stuff for you tonight. Going to be talking to Jeremy Bremont of the Jeremy and the Delicious Hounds, who are set to release their album Cruel at the Pyramid Cabaret. That's coming up shortly. A little later, U of M faculty member and uh, conductor of Esprit, Valdine Anderson talking about their concert, Mysticism and Magic. we got lots of new music for you, including this brand new single from Lee Fields called Waiting on the Sidelines. Keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM.
Well, Jeremy Bremo, head of Jeremy and the Delicious Hound, set to release his debut full-length, Cruel, at the Pyramid Cabaret tomorrow night, joins me on the show. Welcome. Yes. Hello. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Uh, how hyped are you? Oh, very, very hyped. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's it's uh, it's been a long time coming. Um, we were hoping to do this, you know, pre-pandemic. Uh, so it's finally, you know, it's been a while. It's taken some time, but very, very excited. Um, we have some special guests too joining us. So, uh, even, uh, you know, it's gonna be another cherry on top. Where were you in the process with cruel pre pandemic? Um, I mean, <clears throat> for the most part, like, we, we had everything recorded. Uh, we had everything written, created. Um, we were, in the midst of recording um, the album, the, the studio was scheduled, uh, everything was booked, and literally uh, the week, um, actually, so we were supposed to go into the studio and somebody, I think either the producer or the studio itself, they had to bump it, something came up and they had to bump it by like one day or a week or something or a few days. And it was that particular, it was that same week that all the lockdowns happened. Mm. Um, so we weren't able to uh, jump into the studio and uh, had to wait a couple of years. <laughs> so with sitting <laughs> on those songs, like, did you guys have some time to go back to them at all? Or were you kind of like locked in, like this is what it's going to be? Oh, they were already locked in. Yeah. yeah, we already knew exactly. We had worked with our, our producer, Murray, Murray Palver, and um, had, uh, yeah, no, they were they were all done, completely done. Um um, yeah, it was literally just at the process of recording them. So Murray was involved like pre-studio, like in the production leading up to it. Like he helped kind of shape some of the songs or. Yeah. So typically like we have like, you know, we, we write our tunes, we have basically the, the, the frame, uh, of it all and, uh, or the framework of it all. And, um, yeah, he just, he kind of has a listen, you know, to, to what, uh, if he hears anything that he wants to tweak in the song, 
um, prior to us going to the studio. Um, on this particular album, you know, it was, uh, he was really just instrumental in the, like in the studio it was like amazing to have him. He's just such like a amazing guider of like where you should go and where you should take the tune or whatever you need during the process. Um, but, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, you kind of like revisit a few things prior to recording and then during the, during the, the recording sessions as well. Mm -hmm. Now I know you guys as a live band, did a lot of the material grow out of like live, live performances? Like, did you shape some of the songs via honing them in, in on a, like, you know, on a, on a stage rather than, you know, in a practice space or in a, in a studio? Yeah, probably mostly. Um, yeah, we've been playing these tunes for a while. Um, and, um, have they changed? I mean, they definitely probably changed a little bit playing them live. It's kind of you, you, by playing them live, you get a, you see the reaction, you see, you know, what parts work, what parts don't work. And, um, I couldn't say specifically, you know, what we change, but I'm sure there's some shaping that happens when you play them live comparatively to just, you know, playing them at home. Right. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, we've been playing them for a while. So it's going to be really nice to, in some sense, you know, have this completed, have this out and um, being able to focus on the future a little bit in some sense. Yeah, there's a tourism in music that, you know, you have your whole life to write your first record and then about a year to do the second one. Uh, yeah. do, do you start feeling some pressure with the release of this record to like work on new material? Oh, yeah, already. Already. Um, I was I was messaging the guys the other day. I'm like, hey. I'm already ready to hit the studio with a couple of the tunes. So um, I've definitely, uh, there's definitely that pressure. It's actually not really pressure. It's more just like, it's so much fun. It's so much fun from going from, you know, writing on a scrap of paper, a few words and, you know, plugging away on a little acoustic guitar and then to the finished product of a tune completely, you know, mixed, mastered and pressed and then just having it on online. It's uh it's a it's a very enjoyable process and um so it's more out of i wouldn't say pressure to just keep producing content it's just, it's just it's an absolute blast to do it so um just want to keep going do you yeah. write songs one particular way or do you find that like different songs come to you in different kind of fashions i think it's probably the most part from musically musically i would say I probably, I mean, there's always that like soul influence, funk kind of thing. That's the music I listen to. That's what I love. Um, but for sure, if I'm listening to like a particular artist a lot at a, at a certain time, I'm sure I, I probably pull away some different little things here and there that, you know, infuse into to, into the tunes that I write. Um, and, uh, and lyrically, it's mostly just kind of based on, you know, what's going on at the time and in this particular album, uh, "Cruel," it's as you can tell from the cover, it's a melting heart. So it's uh, a lot of a lot of heartbreak. Yeah, <laughs> <It's about love. laughs> and uh, obviously the title. There's a title track, right? There's a track called "Cruel," and it's not just the name of the the record. Was yeah. there something about this track in particular that suggested this is going to be emblematic of the whole thing, or that like it, it was the titular song? Yeah, I mean, like <clears throat> we wanted, it, we we picked that one and for many reasons but um yeah i mean it's like it's the songs about like you know the dance of the addiction of love and comparing it to you know some other forms of addiction and um 
And uh, there's also the fact that, you know, we are a bilingual band. Uh, so uh, in French, you can say cruel. So we wanted to like, you know, we wanted to name the album something that can go on both sides. Um, but uh, yeah, and it's a it's a fun, it's a fun kind of dancey tune. So it was kind of, you know. Want to put a bit more focus on that, I guess. Yeah, the record's kind of evenly split between French and English tracks. Was that a, like an important thing? Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. That's that's been our mo since since releasing our EPs. Um, our first releases were a French EP and an English EP. Uh, I released both of those at the same time, different songs. Um, yeah, no, it's just very important. I, I grew up in. We all grew up in Saint Saint B. We're francophones. But we live in Winnipeg, which is also our community, which is, you know, primarily Anglophone. Um, so it's just really important to us to, to represent kind of our identity or both sides. Um, and it definitely it's it's um, on the if you look at the music business sense as well, it's just it's very nice to be able to go play for different audiences. And also, you know, if you're on Anglophone if you're playing for an Anglophone uh, audience, it's nice that they get to expose to be exposed to some French music. Mm-hmm. Um, we're a bilingual. We've played primarily in Canada, so we and you can, you know, Canada. We're a bilingual country, so it's like it's a. It's nice to have both sides and expose you know, both audiences to to different music. But the foundation is funk, whether it's in English or French. Uh, you mentioned you know listening to soul and funk primarily. Like, are yeah. you talking like older stuff, or do you listen to a lot of like contemporary artists in the genre? Uh, a bit of everything, like definitely some older stuff. Uh, but, um, you know, you know, there's like these new bands now, like the Rand Jones and, um, Aaron Frazier and like all the Menahan guys, all the Daptone stuff. Um, love that stuff. And, um, you know, and then, but Charles Bradley was obviously the, the one that really, that was, that was seeing him in 2012 at the, the Winnipeg Folk Festival was kind of the, the moment I decided that I wanted to be in a soul band. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Yeah, that was that was the show. Yeah, it was. Uh, um, yeah, I was luckily enough, lucky enough that uh, my cousins, my cousins were performing at the festival that year and uh, they got me kind of a, a pass. And um, so I was able to go right up front. And uh, yeah, and I just I don't know something about that show and. I mean, his story is incredible. Like he's like he's he's like almost like started his career when he was like sixty five years old. Like it's a it's an incredible story, and and just seeing him perform with the passion and the love and like the awe that he was, you know, found himself in just in this position was just it's incredible. It was for me. I feel I'm pretty sure I bawled my face off. You know, it's like it's uh, it hit me in a different way, and um, but that was the moment. And uh, so Charles Bradley is yeah, it's a. Uh, the Menahan, Daptones, all those. It was it was That's faded bad. to be then if you got in through your cousins and managed to see yeah. him and then that, 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 that yeah. sparked all of this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, exactly. It's a great documentary if you haven't seen it about Charles Bradley. Uh, I did see it. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I forget. This is a, no, what's it called? Made again? in America, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charles Somewhere Bradley again. Brackett, Made in America, I think is the, the yeah. name of it. Strongly so, encourage our listeners to, uh, to check it out too. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Duran Jones. He just dropped a new record today. Yeah. So uh, we'll be playing a little bit of that uh, on, on the Maybe. show as well. But before we play uh, someone else, we're going to play something from your new record, but I'm going to get you to pick it. Uh, oh, okay. So whatever song you want us to play, and if you have a reason why or an anecdote about it. 
Okay. Uh, well, I'll pick the song We Haven't Met Yet. Uh, we have a new music video out for it, too. So might as well get a little visual at the same time. Right on. Uh, release show tomorrow night at the Pyramid Cabaret. Uh Tickets ahead of time or at the door or a little above? Yeah, either tickets at the door or on uh, Incredivent. Incredivent. is the platform that you can find the tickets on. Yeah, but uh, yeah, doors are at 8 o'clock. Freddie and the Fire Nation start around 9.15, I believe. And then uh, we'll play a couple sets after that. We'll play our album top to bottom um, for the first set. And we're lucky to be joined uh, by three incredible singers, uh, Sarajiga, my cousin, who did all the background vocals on the album. Um, and because we wanted to recreate the album kind of as true as possible, uh, she uh, asked a couple friends, Andrina Turen, who just released an album, Bold as Logs, mm -hmm. which is amazing. She was on the show a couple weeks ago. Okay, nice. Perfect. And then uh, and Ariane Jean, uh, who goes under uh, Sala Music, Sala, and uh, she just released an album as well, Surface and absolutely excellent um went to both their shows and fantastic fantastic albums and fantastic singers and so yeah they're gonna be joining us and um second second set we're gonna have uh, some funky tunes and some some dancers and um they're all gonna sing a tune as well and we're gonna have uh, a blast yeah awesome well uh, congrats on the release of the record and good luck with the release show tomorrow thank you so much really appreciate it we haven't met yet but i know that i want you I know that i want you this sounds crazy we haven't made yeah but i know that i need you I know that i need you i've been searching to love and romance and at times i've been given nothing more than a glance into the fire of affection of affection Back to them long I've been on my own You know this life ain't meant To be lived alone It's in a heart to see company
when she smiles at me, the whole world starts to quake under my feet. And this I Back here on Thank God It's Free Range. Right before the break, Jerry Marie, the leadoff track from the new album from Durand Jones. As mentioned uh, during my interview with Jeremy Bremont, uh, out today. It's called Wait Till I Get Over, out on Dead Oceans, his solo record after a couple of records with the indications. Uh, we had Jeremy's pick, We Haven't Met Yet, from Cruel. And don't forget that is happening tomorrow at the Pyramid Cabaret. Happening tomorrow at Knox United Church is Esprit's Math- Mysticism and Magic concert. I'm going to get into that with Valdine Anderson in a minute. Uh, but before I do, uh, since we're talking choirs, I'm going to play you something that uh, I don't think I've ever mentioned, but I used to sing in choirs. And uh, one of my favorite tracks to sing uh, when I was in choir was this one. It's called Hallelujah Pelotzarona. Thank you. 
Well, Mysticism and Magic, the latest concert from Esprit, Saturday, May 6th, under the conduction of Valdine Anderson, who joins me on the line. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for making time to talk to me. My pleasure. Now, as I understand it, Valdine, you, you've been involved with the, the Esprit for, for quite some time. What, how did you get involved in, in choir? Like, is, is it kind of like as a kid you were in choirs or what, what led you to <laughs> choirs? You know, um, I have a, a fairly large voice studio. I'm one of the uh, voice instructors at U of M, and I have a private studio too. And um, I just got my singers together, as well as my daughters who sing, and uh, thought we would um, enter the Winnipeg Music Festival as a group and just sing some songs in harmony because it's it's fun to sing together. And uh, they had a good time and, and just wanted to keep going. So after after this one event in March of, I think it was 2011, uh, they just kept going. And uh, the choir started off with 12 singers and um, grew. We've, we've had up to about 35 uh, in the past, and we, we average around 25 each year. So, so does recruitment kind of happen through like, like networking, like, like someone knows someone and that's how they come to it? Or like what, what kind of like process does it take to, to be part of a spree? That's a great question. And uh, it has been mainly word of mouth. Um, we have a lot of um, uh, friends in the choir, you know, someone who knows someone who likes to sing or um, sometimes even relatives, cousins and things. So it's uh, it's become a really nice group that way. But we also have people who've just noticed us on you know, social media or have come to a concert and said, you know, it sounds like fun and want to audition. And, uh, you know, um, so that's how that can happen, too. Mm hmm. Now, you said you mentioned you, you are at the Desote Faculty of Music. Uh, does it, do you have to kind of like split yourself from like kind of an, an academic or kind of structural viewpoint that you would hear at the U of M versus, you know, leading a choir like this where it's like the purpose is fun or at least ostensibly like everyone's kind of doing it just because? Yeah, you know, um, that's uh, that's interesting. Um, of course, what I do at the U of M is like any kind of performance-based um, subject. Uh, it all, you know, is gearing towards um, to a presentation of some kind, and it's the same with Esprit. Um, and the singers, although this is a hobby for them or an extracurricular activity. Everybody wants to have a, a really good final product, and so they work hard, and um, and they're not satisfied with you know things just kind of being so so. Uh, we we sometimes have extra rehearsals just because we just want it to be um, you know as good as it can be, and and everybody works works towards that. So it's it's kind of like being on a team, and you 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 want to make it into the playoffs, or you want you want to win the Stanley Cup. So you're 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 really giving it your all, and uh, and so it, it's. It's nice that way. We have a common goal, and uh, and everyone feels good afterwards. So it's it's a nice experience. So there's rigor, but it's not influenced by marks. That's right. It's it's uh, it, a be the beautiful thing is it's um it's just something people want to do. So right now, yeah. b building a a sort of 
repertoire for this? Like, do you just approach it like individual concert by concert, or do you try to have kind of stuff in your back pocket that the choir can like always do? Like, wh what kind of goes into putting together shows? Um, that's another great question. Um, uh, we usually have a, a sort of a format for our season of a couple of concerts, but um, in the last couple of years, we've been um, really trying to look ahead to um, to have some special events. And because the choir is what's called a commissioning choir, we we reach out to composers to to write music for us. And so that usually has to happen about two years in advance because composers, you know, you need to kind of talk about the concept, and they're usually busy busy and put our our commission you know in the queue for for when they can get around to it and uh, um, so by the time we we're able to present that commission there's been it's been a few years in the making so we 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 plan things around special events uh, last year we commissioned a, a huge piece for um, organ and choir and we brought in a, a wonderful organist from Toronto for that. And this year we commissioned Ron Paley to um, to write some arrangements for a spring. We presented a big concert at the Canadian Human Rights Museum. So those have been our, our big projects. And next year uh, we've got another wonderful composer writing something for Esprit and we have another commission with Ron Paley uh, starting in, uh, in the winter. So um, that should be again really diverse and uh, and really fun to do. That commission process, like, do you send them examples of what you guys have done so that they know kind of like what you're capable of, or like, do you just kind of blindly say, "Hey, like, come up with something <laughs> for us"? Like, how? Do, what is that process like? Yeah, that's neat. Um, uh, usually, composers are going to want to know, you know, what 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 are your voices capable of? What's the range? You know, what's the highest note you can sing? What's the lowest note? Um, how densely do you want to harmonize? You know, do you want it just three part, or could you go as as large as six part? And and uh, and so that's what they want to know. And then um, after that, we kind of leave it to the composer. Most composers. Um, like to pick their own text and um, and so that's that's kind of where we we kind of let that let them have their um, you know uh, choice of, of mood and and uh, words and and so on so but uh, yeah they like to they like to know what kind of um, instruments they're they basically or instrumentation they're writing for and basically it's treble voices so right uh is there any back and forth once they've sent you stuff like or is it just kind of like this is what it's on the page here it is yeah you know um there is sometimes uh oftentimes composers will write back and just say is it okay if i do this or are you all right if i you know break it up into three different movements instead of one long piece or but but usually uh once we've once we've reached the stage of um it's all set and we've we've paid that kind of the kind of like a deposit fee um it's the composer and we get the final product and it's like okay let's it's like opening a, a present you you get to see what it's like and and try it out and and live with it for a little while and then try to make it beautiful so so it's, it's really fun and really interesting that certainly stretches everybody in the choir to you know see if you can make sense of somebody else's vision of 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 what this this piece should sound like so so this one, uh, as we mentioned, it's called Mysticism and Magic. The, the, one of the core pieces is Libby Larson's Book of Spells. Yes. Did yeah. that kind of suggest the, the thematic thing for, for this program? Like, was that kind of like the, the core text? 
You know, th that really worked well into the cortex, but the core piece on our program is Faure's Requiem. Gabriel Faure was a impressionistic French composer, and um, he wrote a requiem uh, that's about 30 minutes long, and we are presenting it with uh, a pipe organ as accompaniment. And it's a, it is a, you know, sort of a typical mass, but Faure had this idea that um, uh, the, the passage from life into death was not a something to be feared and uh, to excite a lot of agitation and, and drama about. He felt it was something that was that was more mystical and and a happy happy um, kind of journey into into something something different. And uh, so the whole thing is is really a um, a passage into the next the next stage, which, which of course is mystical because we, we really don't know what, what comes next. But, uh, in his, in his interpretation, it's, it's a gentle and, uh, um, unhappy sort of journey and passage. And so with that, um, I just thought, well, that is a very mystical approach to take to this, um, uh, theme. And then we started looking, uh, I'd had this uh, idea of Libby Larson's uh, work uh, in the back, as you said, in the back pocket. So I pulled that out and we've kind of worked the program around these two um, ideas of, of something beyond our our grasp, you know, so, um, ideas that, that really um, inspire people um, to think beyond reality. So if, if the cortex is, is for as requiem, like, is that what you close with or is that what you start with? Like, how do you figure out what goes where in the program? Like, what goes into that? That's yeah. That, um, well, we thought we'd we'd start with the big work, the requiem, because it's it's so substantial. But it's also it's rather gentle and somber. And uh, we're we're ending with Libby Larson's book of spells because it uh, it's just so interesting. Um, and they're all things that spells. I'm I'm sure that we all kind of uh, have a little wish list in our head. Maybe maybe people do a silent prayer all the time for um, one of the spells is for you know I, I wish I could study harder or. or allow me to be receptive to studying or or I hope my house is is a lucky house you know um the very last one is money you know I hope I hope I I come into some money so <laughs> anyway it's uh they're all very realistic and and human um desires and and it's just neat to to have a very uh fun piece at the end that 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 sounds kind of dreamy it sounds uh very kind of mystical and at the end it ends uh, almost sort of Scott Joplinish with the ragtime desire for for money so it's fun how much discussion of the text do you do with the choir like like do you guys talk about kind of motivation or or story and and not just like the notes on the page yeah that's really important and um uh, i often wish we had more time for that um uh, we, we try to, to get into, uh, you know, some, some background of, of each piece as much as possible because all the information you have about whatever it is you're performing just adds subconsciously to, to the way you express it. And so absolutely what you say is it's totally important. Um, otherwise you are, um, just singing the notes on the page. It's, it's fun to have that kind of, um, personal uh, uh, expression that that adds to it, and you can see on everyone's faces when they sing it that that's that that's what's going on. Now uh, you have cellist uh, Barry Philsame. Is that the yes. am I pronouncing it right? Uh, that's sorry. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and and you said you have a, a guest organist for for his requiem. Working in collaboration with with musicians, like, do you get much time to practice with them, or like, what's what's kind of like the the schedule like when it comes to doing something like this collaboratively 
Well, that's a good question too. Um, uh, um, when you get uh, outstanding musicians to collaborate with, their schedule is always busy, so it has to be planned quite a bit in advance, uh, so that we can we can book them for uh, enough rehearsal time, so that they feel they know us and we feel we know what they're going to do. And so, yes, it's uh, it takes a fair bit of planning and uh, um, and time time uh, together. Well, it all comes together Saturday, May 6th at Knox United Church, Mysticism and Magic, presented by Esprit. Uh, tickets are on Eventbrite and at the door, as I understand it? That's correct, yes. Now, I always ask the artist to, to pick a song at the end, uh, usually from like another most recent release. Um, is there like a passage from Foray's Requiem, one of the like portions of Requiem that we could play? Oh, gosh, it's so beautiful. Um, yes, if you wanted to play the seventh movement, uh, sorry, yes, the seventh movement, it's called In Paradisum. It's the final movement, and it's basically a, a foray sending, sending you off to, um, to, a, to a, gentle, a gentle goodbye. <laughs> Wonderful. So, he'll, he'll send so us off be... to a, a gentle goodbye on this interview. <laughs> Valdine, thanks very much okay. for taking some time. All right, well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to talk to you.
Well, I'm getting tired now. Gotta get some sleep now. Guess I've been worried much too long.
here on Thank God It's Free Range, right before the break, uh, Quebec artist Beris with Sous Saint Trois that is uh, released as both an English and a French single earlier this week. Uh, before that, a new single from I'm With Her. Great uh, super group of sorts of folk musicians with a new single called Wake Me When It's Over and we heard Valdine Anderson's pick of uh, the seventh portion of Forêt's Requiem in Paradisum. Uh, that was from the Our Lady of the Lake University performance uh, in San Antonio, Texas. Going to play you something new from Stephen Bamadeli as we kind of transition towards After 8 Radio. Um, the album is called Kaleidoscope. There's a new single called Dark Sense of Humor that uh, we're going to play you. This is uh, one of my favorite labels and uh, one of their latest signings. Don't forget, it is Bandcamp Friday today. 
And uh, so there's still time to support artists directly and uh, independent labels as well. Uh, I know a lot of them are releasing new material today or doing uh, special sales. And uh, the Bamadeli track, if you dig it, is available there. So uh, keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM and head over to bandcamp.com to support some artists.
breath away